Hello and welcome to the Last Dance After Show. This is a true after show we're about to get into. Um, joining me as he does each and every week, twice a week even, is the one and only David Blar. I just came up with something. Can't believe I never said it with your last name. Have you ever done like a Velare? Wow. Oh. I've never heard that one before. Enconchare. Actually, the best best hands down nickname that I have that someone has given to me is uh, Valario Speedwagon. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to uh, Dave Laurier, wherever you are right now. Uh, He's the first one to call me that. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. how you doing, man? Are you okay? Uh, you know, dude, I am feeling like I am that one match to light the fire. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I feel like I feel like this was a big night for you because you're such a huge Pearl Jam fan that <laughs> the fact that they're featured has got to be a really special moment for you. I'm so glad that they can make an appearance. Um, it, it's really what unites Bill Simmons and I. <laughs> Uh, is, is Pearl Jam. Um, so we called up two people. Uh, I realized uh, right before we did this episode tonight that we had not had on a single woman on this podcast. Yeah, glaring omission. A, a glaring omission. Um, admittedly, we did ask some women. Uh, they they uh, Not that they said no, we just couldn't get a hold of them. Um, yeah. Which is not an excuse, but an explanation, uh, and we were happy to rectify it tonight. And then some. Yeah, and then some. We have two wonderfully uh, talented and smart women. Heidi Gardner, who is on SNL, and who else we got, David? We also have Morgan Murphy, who is a writer and comedian. Uh, She has written for... Jimmy Fallon, Modern Family, Two Broke Girls, and she performs stand-up all across the globe, and I have seen her live perform, and she's absolutely magnificent and hilarious. Very glad to have both of them on Mm -hmm. this week. We are going to do another episode, our final Closing Thoughts episode. Uh, We got Bill Cartwright coming on, and we also got another guest uh, so check that out on Thursday morning, I believe, Thursday morning, Wednesday night. We'll release our final 10th uh, episode, recapping The Last Dance. But for now, why don't we call him up? Let's do it. Heidi Gardner, Morgan Murphy, David Villar, we're all here. This is the first actual after show that we have done, like really after the whole thing ended. It's yeah. 8.26 Pacific Standard Time. Okay. Behind the scenes, just so you guys, so people know, we had the episodes available to us one through eight beforehand, and this is the first time that we are in real time watching actually after Like normal show. people. Mm-hmm. Give me, both of you, initial reactions to these last two episodes. At the same time? Yeah. yeah. Simultaneously, please. You're like a folk duo. You just kind of sing in harmony. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's like a, uh, an improv game. I, I don't know what those are, but yeah. <laughs> I'm terrible at those. I just gave that up a long time ago. I love it, but it feels a little bit like a, to me, it felt like 
an actual finals, like where you're, oh, it's over. There's no, the season's over. Yeah. I'm balancing right now, having enjoyed it and knowing there's no more, which is very difficult. Yeah. The sadness that like the, the finality of it all and how sad that is that it's, especially in this time when there has been no basketball. Yeah. It's very layered in, in realizing there's no more Jordan. There's no more series. There's no more basketball. It's uh it's a struggle. <laughs> Look, that's why there's four uh, strangers talking, trying to make sense of it. Um, Heidi, how did you feel? I feel very similar to Morgan. Like it's over, except the difference. It's like a finals, except he's not playing next year. So we don't even get MJ. Yeah. Next year, and I feel like we just haven't heard from Jordan other than like with the Hornets in, in a long time. Like we don't get to hear him talk for extended periods of time. And now I want him back in my life for good. And I'm like, how do I get it? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, could you guys ask him to host SNL virtually? Would he do it? I mean, maybe there's, if we, I feel like everybody watched this documentary. He's got heat right now. He's got residual heat. It, it did sort of feel a little bit like a, like a like a coming out party to the public again like it did kind of feel like like maybe he'll ride this a little bit and yeah you know do uh what's a show on today that people do do a, do one of those uh talk shows this is us yeah he'll do the he'll do a uh, <laughs> what? cameo oh, yeah he'll no do no a, no a two episode arc if he did if he did an any episode arc it would be the most embarrassing thing since his wizards come back Let's just go through like the short things at the end here where I was like, wow, we didn't get any of that. This really is a Bulls documentary more than a Jordan documentary because the omission, I mean, the fact that his kids were not in it, three kids are not in it until the episode 10. I also love that their inclusion, the first thing they say is, I wasn't even at the game. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like first time you're on screen, where were you? I wasn't there. Yeah. Great. Well, they were locked in the basement. Yeah, that seemed ominous. They're too. like, yeah, like, we were in the basement at the that? Delta Center. It's like, okay, well, there you go. Good <laughs> Lord. Couldn't find a seat. Did you want more of his story than we got? Like be, the life after basketball? Oh, after. I mean, not not really. Not particularly. Was I supposed to? No. Okay, yes, if you want. <laughs> no, I, 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 I don't. Um, I'm not that interested. I mean, by the way, if there was another you know, 10 part series that came out next week and it was after I'd be very excited, but I didn't feel like I wanted more necessarily. Mm. I wanted more of the show, right? but I wasn't like, Oh, well what happened? You know, eight years later, you didn't want the behind the scenes, like his life as so much as the sports aspect of things satiated you. Yeah. That was enough. It was enough of, yeah, of, of what it was. But again, I would have gladly watched it, but I wasn't mm. left you know, begging for it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because I'm a product of divorce and I'm like, ah, just show me, just show me. Like, I want to see the interiors. Give me the behind the scenes. I just wanted one woman that he was with once. If we're going to get Carmen Electra with Rodman, <laughs> like I just wanted some interiority, I guess, but I'm not complaining. Well, I'm kind of complaining, but You're only, definitely only, complaining. only to you three, only to yeah. you three. <laughs> I liked that they didn't go there because it just celebrated him. And 
I feel like over the years you've heard just so many like little rumors about him or the gambling um, that always tried to tried to kind of mess with his legacy or even like mess with my mind in the last couple of years. You know, I was, I mean, I'm a huge LeBron fan. So even I was just kind of like, maybe it's more LeBron's the goat because the nicer guy. And and then it's like, I watch this and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so glad. I know that you were an asshole during practice. I'm so (laughs) glad. Like, but also that I didn't have to hear any women's that or you know, I mean, just, I didn't need any personal stuff really. Was it a glaring omission, by the way, that LeBron wasn't involved? I'm sure he would have wanted to be. Exactly. I just think Jordan wouldn't have wanted him. Yeah, it just didn't seem like any current players really were. Were right. there? It didn't seem glaring to me. Yeah. Can we go to the to the beginning of episode nine? I wrote down in my notes. I actually wrote notes for this thing. Okay, so they're in Salt Lake City. It was the flu game. Now it's the food poisoning game. They call up a Salt Lake City pizza shop. Now, what I'm confused by is they're calling for like a cheese pizza or whatever kind of pizza. Mm -hmm. And they're on the phone saying this is for Michael Jordan. Right. Like, why would you ever say, do you think they were like, this is for John Lennon? Yeah. Can you bring it over? Like, I really can't imagine. I have a theory. Okay. Oh, here we go. Let's get the theories. Something I watched an hour and a half ago. Um, I I bet <laughs> that the place was like closing or something. Right. And mm. that was how they got them there. That's pretty good. Meaning it was going out of business? Like what? No, it's no, like no, for, it was they were late. saying it was the only place open. I imagine that they were like, you know, they were greasing the uh the wheels. The wheel a little bit, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's that's extenuating circumstances. That's pretty good. You cracked that one right away. Yeah, you did. To be clear, do we think that Tim Grover was insinuating that Michael Jordan was poisoned by five Salt Lake City guys at an Italian restaurant? He was definitely yeah. insinuating yeah. that. Okay. I mean, I'm not one to probably order Italian food in Salt Lake City as is, but <laughs> now I'm definitely not. I just like, there's always one guy who's like, and I knew, I knew it was bad. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh you did? You really knew? Like, did he really say that? He was like, MJ, please don't eat the pizza. Yeah. I was very impressed by uh, just rewatching that. I was like nauseous last weekend and I couldn't even go on a walk with my dog. Like, I can't imagine playing a basketball game. I mean, can you guys imagine performing or turning in like a script on deadline when you have the flu? Like, I mean, no. And they said that comment that was like, you know, sometimes when you're sick as a dog, you hit that second gear of sick (laughs) like i mean you only usually get sicker in the same night so i just i don't understand how that equals performance in any way yeah i feel like this whole thing i go oh he's like addicted to winning like it's actually a like an addiction yeah to winning and there is like maybe sort of a parallel of you know oh like if you have a cold but you're still smoking through it right he couldn't not turn it on no matter how bad he felt it was like no i still have to win these are a lot of my ideas that i have i think that's right i mean even at the end i'm, I'm hopscotching but the, the part where he's like we could have i we could have gone for seven i mean i wrote down his quote which is i can't accept it i mean this is a grown man who has won six <laughs> times every th- every kind of mvp he has done everything 
and he cannot accept that they didn't even get a chance for the seventh. I mean, he is deeply, that is addiction. That is, I mean, I think that's completely addiction. It didn't translate into him being a good GM, which I don't know. I can't answer that one. No, it certainly did not. But at the same time, too, this is also, if I'm not mistaken, this is the season where, where, uh, Carl Malone, mailman, gets the uh, MVP, right? Yeah. I mean, look, obviously they made pains throughout the documentary to be like, he would take anything, you know, the Bradford Smith and all that. He would use anything to be as as motivation. But like that I can definitely see as a massive motivating factor. But he's also a sociopath. Like, let's let's call a space a spade. <laughs> so is that is that the term we're going with? Is he a sociopath? Is that really what this documentary showed us? I don't think like psychologically his approach to the game, to probably to life. I wouldn't go as far as saying it was like sociopathic, but I would go as far as saying I haven't seen it in a human like <laughs> in my life. So there, there is something other about like his psychology, but I don't, I don't have the, uh, the brains to diagnose it. But it does feel like if he didn't have basketball, he'd, uh, you know, have done some other things <laughs> i will say the only person who might be as sociopathic uh if we're going to use that word as him is the only name i can use for her is karen in the indiana sidelines uh, oh my god shit to, <laughs> to the bulls from the sidelines incredible uh, that, woman, that woman had a purpose uh yeah she was driven to say the least <laughs> She was my favorite. I can't remember one of her, her second one was, it was like, take that mother or eat yeah. that. She might've said, eat that. <laughs> so good. I saw her and I thought, God, I wish I cared about anything as much as she cared about destroying a stranger. Like really, <laughs> <sighs> honestly, it was almost positive. I, I was really, I was impressed by her vigor. To me, there were so many moments, her behavior being one of them, that, <laughs> made me like I kept flashing back to what would this be like with smartphones there were so many moments even like the park at the end like nobody had a camera phone up like I kept thinking how different everything would have been how much more you'd know about people in in a bad way but like even a woman like that like you go oh she would become a meme or a you know go on a morning radio show I don't know like it just feels I had nostalgia for like people being in the moment, even negatively in the moment. And to that, you know, what I found to be one of the most fascinating quotes in terms of the entire documentary came from, um, I forget who exactly said it. It's in my notes, but the guy who was basically like, the one thing about Michael was that he was always present. Mm -hmm. And I thought that to be pretty fascinating. And I think it was at the end of episode nine, but you know, if there was social media, if there was memes, if there was all these things, if that would have been something that would have uh, pierced the armor of Michael Jordan, would it that it'd be an external thing that would mess him up, so to speak, make him not present? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. But I also think like that there's maybe ways he wouldn't have been able to be himself with how extreme sort of these like purity tests are and stuff like it's almost like Rodman, like if Rodman couldn't go do all the crazy stuff, would he have been as, you know, as powerful on the court? Like, I, I'm sure that there were outlets and things like that. When you combine 
I don't know what being looked at under a microscope does to somebody and how it changes their life. Maybe there are hobbies and outside activities uh, and proclivities that people wouldn't have been able to engage in. And then that would have shifted whatever they did uh, professionally. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, this is something we've, we've talked about it a bunch because I keep going back to this, but I really believe that to be a great professional athlete in 2020 before Corona, you really had to be less interesting than the people playing the game in the nineties. There's just no room. I re I mean, honestly, LeBron James kind of by his own doing is like actively documented. And I think a lot of these guys are, and there's really, there's just not that much wiggle room anymore. I mean, like a Vegas trip, like Rodman's Vegas trip. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of, yeah. Hold on, Vegas trip? How about his, in the finals, going off to do an NWO, WCW, whatever? I mean, both are insane. Unbelievable. There would have been like eight people online live streaming that at the Vegas trip, the, whatever the event is. Yeah. And everyone would have been like, yeah, what did you do Saturday night? I watched Rodman yeah. go to Vegas, I guess. <laughs> it's so... I, but I don't know, like, is it a good thing that people maybe have to behave better or do people just get more creative about misbehavior? I don't know. I kind of agree with that. But my husband and I were talking about today how we thought that, like, the public is actually a little more forgiving of players these days as far as, like, being a little bit more of a bad boy or having an attitude. Like, it seemed like players back then had that like be like Mike if you weren't like smiling and drinking Gatorade you know it was going to be so bad and I do feel like now there's a little more room to be like a Russell Westbrook you know he doesn't try to be liked at all yeah. there, I feel like there's more of those guys so I don't know I feel like you you can have a little edge you can't you just can't kill somebody here like <laughs> Yeah. I think Rodman's like a whole other level because there's, yeah, like, of course you can have an edge. But I think when you were asking, like, if it if it's better that people are forced to kind of comply to certain rules, like, yeah, like, I think that I don't know Dennis Rodman, uh, clearly, but like, I would imagine that he would have to make a lot of changes in today's world. <laughs> because I don't think he would be, uh, you know, just a Westbrook or, you know, he wouldn't just be like a, a wacky guy. Like, I don't know. I love that about Westbrook, but that's a good, the good point. I'm going to do a counterpoint though, on some level, because, and I'm stealing this to some extent from Ryan Rosillo, shout out to Ryan Rosillo, but you know, you look at like the Russell Westbrooks and many of the current players right now, and you look at like their ad campaigns and stuff like that. And a lot of their brands, for instance, like Russell Westbrook had the commercial where he's like, eat sushi in Oklahoma City. They said I couldn't do it. Like, where such and such? They said I couldn't do it. And it's like that chip on your shoulder brand, it's like its own thing now. Yeah, it's like a curated mm -hmm. intensity that, but you can, you still can't cross certain lines. Certain lines, yeah. Yeah. Russell, if Russell Westbrook went to Body Slam, I don't know, Razor Ramon or whoever the hell, what's his name, was body slamming or hitting with a chair, he would be vilified much more than Dennis Rodman was back then. I think Westbrook gets a pass because he has such good style. 
And I think that's something we all need to just keep in mind. You know, he's like, he really gives a full spectrum of outfits. Like one night he looks great. The other night I'm like, I don't think you've ever, he has horrible style and great style all in one moment. Yeah. Which I want to kind of equate to this movie, uh, this 10 part documentary, because I, I'm curious how the three of you feel about the uh, end of the documentary. I was sad that it was ending. I loved the montage they clipped together. And then those motherfuckers had to put a Pearl Jam song in. And I couldn't, I couldn't deal. I really thought it was horrible. I really thought <laughs> what a great moment scored by some trash. Um, does someone want to defend Pearl Jam? What are your thoughts? I mean, that's not what I came here prepared to do. <laughs> But she will. But no, I, I, have, I have no, I have no, no problem with it. But I do love that you did, and I think that's uh, special. Um, but I also think there's actually, it's kind of a relevant thing to bring up. I think just because part of what I loved about this entire series was like it felt. I mean, the soundtrack I thought was great. Ninety nine percent unbelievable, and like again, kept taking me back to like a time where I was like, oh my God, this feels like when you were in the car and you didn't know what song was coming on. And then the perfect song came on. Like the nostalgia for just life in general at that time was as heavy to me as like anything about Jordan. Like it just, it was impossible to not remember that song and that song. And I think that's, you know, the soundtrack was a big part of that, obviously. Right. I loved every song in the 10 part documentary, except for that. I, I truly think they did a wonderful job. And I <laughs> I sat there and I thought, oh no, I just I but that's but I've never liked Pearl Jam, so maybe that is my maybe that's my yeah, bigger yeah, problem. Hold on a second. Heidi, do you have do you have anything to say about this? Because I'm champing at the bit to defend Pearl Jam, but go on. Heidi, do you wanna do you wanna join here? So I didn't even think that and I was a Pearl Jam fan, but I didn't even think that was a very recognizable Pearl Jam. It wasn't, song. no. What it wasn't? Okay. It's called so present tense. I, and, no. Okay. And I only so knew that because I know... <laughs> shazammed it. Sorry, go on. <laughs> no, no, no. So it went over my head. It wasn't like, I think anything after that last little montage was just like, there was no actual way to end it well. Cause I kept on thinking like, even I thought they were going to end it on a Steve Kerr quote. And I was like, you have to let Jordan talk again. So I was in my head about how they were going to end it the whole time. Pearl Jam or not. It got to like the 30 minute mark. And I was like, well, hold on. Well, they haven't even finished the series yet and they got to at least go. I mean, I was trying to map it out as it was going. Um, David and, yeah. and David, do you, you need to chastise me or something? Yeah. I, I need an ISO clear out place. Uh, you're ridiculous. Pearl jam. This now, is look, be let me, let me caveat this with Pearl jam first. What? Four album, three albums, definitely. But like beyond that, it's getting sketchy. So I get that. It's a current song. That was pretty good. I didn't, no, it. I didn't recognize it. I, like I said, I had to Shazam it. But I will at least defend Pearl Jam, early Pearl Jam. Um, Thank God. See, the, the, the interesting thing is, though, the needle drops were amazing in this documentary. Absolutely. What's ironic about the whole thing, and, and somebody wrote a great article, I think in the New York Times, about how considering, like, the needle drops were great in this, and they were always era-specific, and they were also, like, if you listen to the lyrics and you knew the songs, like, they were also poignant as well in that like they had the Jose Gonzalez one that ended episode eight with that was a cover of Massive Attack and what have you but the ironic thing is like Michael Jordan had the worst taste in music ever hey 
That's not true. Wait, oh, it's, he, it's, give it's, a, he gave like a Kenny Lattimore shout. Kenny Lattimore shouted. He's like, yo, check this. I got the new Kenny Lattimore before anybody did. Well, Who also, is that, by the way? Well, Kenny well, Lattimore. He, you know, he was he's okay. But but he, he's but but he's like um okay. Do you know what he, hold on? Do you know what he was supposedly he would sing to tra to other opponents to trash talk them? No. Mm, no. Oh, if you guessed Anita Baker. You were right. Anita <laughs> fucking... I love Anita Baker too, don't get me wrong. But probably not making my top... Whatever, 100 artists. But anyway, go on. No, just MJ... Look, he, he, he did play to the camera. And him on the bus being like, yep, Kenny's a friend of mine. You know how I can get it. And I was like... <laughs> I was like, man... Early release. I, I mean, congrats yeah. on the early release. Um, I'm, I'm, gl I'm glad they shot you. Uh, Access. I, I was going to say a link, but obviously that's wrong. Um, yeah, that was embarrassing. But he listened to D'Angelo. He liked D'Angelo. That, that's totally defendable. Totally defendable. I mean, read that, art, read that interview with him. I forget, with the dude from Vibe. He basically, like, he plays him, like, different tracks. I'm going to be honest with you. There's no chance I'm reading that. It's it's not good. <laughs> He's just like, hey, check this out. He's like, is this rap music? I don't listen oh. to no rap music. He's like, wow, okay. Oh, shit, you know what? I actually did already read that. Yeah, yeah. It's not, <laughs> it's not good. To me. That was unbelievable. So, Jordan, you actually, you guys should read this. It, Jordan is like, they're playing, what are they playing? So, so he Jordan's like, I love Miles Davis. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's great. I'm glad. And then they play, God, what is it? Is it like, is it Eric B and Rakim? It's no, no, no. Then they play like some Thelonious monk or something. And then he's like, what is this? This is pretty good. And then I think it is Rakim. And they're like, and he's like, Oh, I, I heard of him before. I don't know. Right. He didn't have friends. He was just with security guards. <laughs> he didn't have friends, which I'm sorry. We have to transition right now into a very important issue. Because I, because this ultimately is a question that I have to ask about friends, confidants, the people around you telling you hard truths that you need to hear. Oh my God, this is serious. It, well, it is. And and first off, let me say you've said so much already. How many prefaces are there in this question? Well, hold on. Let me let me let me read I out feel something. Like you're about a, a to special... say something to me about my life that I need to fix. <laughs> I'm no, well, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad we brought you here. This isn't even a podcast. <laughs> oh no. No, 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 no. Let me read out. <laughs> let me read out a quote. Michael Jordan was a lot like his genes. Impossible to defend. That is a tweet by one Morgan Murphy. That was great. And I know you were devastated that that didn't get more run. In a, it's a bigger statement, but like I don't have a lot of sport people following. I used to get unfollowed for tweeting about boxing too much. Like I don't. I wish more people. <laughs> Sports people would would find me and less people who don't like sports. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I'm done with film people on Twitter. Get them the fuck out of here. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I, I want people from from Midwestern states to start following. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's important for me for people to to try to get the word out to people that I like sports. <laughs> I've realized I'm like really want people to be aware. I'm going right. to talk about yeah. it. Even at work, sports stuff doesn't go always that well as, you know, like more topical political stuff. And I'm always like, you guys are really missing out on sports. I know. Heidi oh. sent me this long email before we did the podcast being like, I really like sports. I really care about them. Just so you know, 
Just don't yeah. share it on the show. I actually put for what nine years, my profile was just like, I don't know, comedy, et cetera, or whatever. And I, this year changed it to like, do I do comedy. I like sports as like a heads up because yeah. I, yes. I needed, I, I was warning people like, you know, it was like a movie rating, like careful, you're going to see boobs in this. Like I like, <laughs> you're going to get sports references, but <laughs> I think I feel like I'm forcing them. Yeah, that that's okay. It's good for them. It is. It's it's who you are. But does Michael not have anybody in his crew in his life that tells him about his genes and how egregious they are? Where was Kenny Lattimore when he needed him? <laughs> I mean, his sons, have, his kids have got to, but he's got to be that guy that's just like, but I like him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine, I'm trying to think of like, yeah, I don't, I can't imagine that I would say, I'm putting myself in a position where I've suddenly become very good friends with him <laughs> and we're in a room. Wait, wait, set this up. How does this come to be? Well, what happened is uh, I, um, my dad met uh, one of his security guards on a plane. Sure, makes sense. And was like, oh, my daughter works in show business. Mm -hmm. Anyways, like long story short, Right. an email thing and I sent him like a meme and he thought it was funny and we started DMing um, and uh, like one thing led to another and we were hanging out in his hotel room. Tale as old as time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Every story starts with my dad on an airplane telling somebody his daughter <laughs> works in Los Angeles. <laughs> you started that and I was like, wow, that sounds familiar. I like it. By the way, so to answer your question, David, most of my friends never won six titles and I can't even tell them to like take one less drink. So yeah. no, I, I no, there's no chance <laughs> yeah. on the subject of friendship. I did think that moment at the end of episode 10, maybe about 10 minutes left where he's in his hotel room in Utah and he's playing piano poorly and it's a bunch of reporters mostly mm -hmm. around him, like asking him questions doing that. I found that so sad. I found that really fucking sad. I just, I was like, man, it's yeah. like 11 o'clock at night in Salt Lake City <laughs> and you're with a bunch of people who are making money off of you. Like yeah. you really, this sucks. It was like a, it was like a press pool. Yeah, it was, it like, was a like a press like pool. It was like a lot of people in that room. Oh my God. Except for who is the guy in the red jacket who was in the other shot when they were like, he was getting sprayed with champagne. Like he's somebody. And I, and I need to know. And I'm, I'm. I didn't see him, but I what I felt was, this is a guy who's winning a sixth ring, uh, against all odds after this whole crazy, I mean, unbelievable run, and to then celebrate it with like those people, <laughs> and I and I and I hope those people aren't <laughs> listening, and God knows they are not, but Jesus, I mean that's so depressing. I felt and him. Also, the fact that he played piano poorly. Also, I was like, just don't play. You keep saying playing piano. He was not playing piano. He, he was, was playing some his chords on the keys. Like. Wait, which, which that felt demonic. I was like, what are you doing? Are you? This is like Nicholson and The Shining, or something. I was really upset. I just, I just didn't like it. I really, it made me upset. I'm with you, and it's weird because it almost felt like the way he had to be in the zone playing. He had to be in the zone like, like just having a good time. Yeah, like I can't. I'm going to have a good time and not let yeah. this weird, these like you know, <laughs> a, a handful of, of paparazzi like ruin my 
no, I'm focused on my very casual good time. I'm going to be the best <laughs> at having a good time. I'm going to yeah. get the best laughs. I'm going to have yeah. the best cigars. You guys aren't going to stop me, except they just like were there. And I, I really, it really bummed me out, as did the DiCaprio moment. I'll tell you <laughs> why. The DiCaprio moment reminded me of the Seinfeld moment. Seinfeld mm-hmm. at least got a good bit in there. Um, both times I was like, Jordan doesn't really want to do this. He mm-hmm. just didn't really want to do it. But it's that thing where you're like, I don't know, you're Seinfeld and I'm Jordan and you're Titanic. And they just, it just felt bad. It to felt- be fair, he gave a very strong review of the man in the iron mask. <laughs> As he walked up. That was depressing, too, because that <laughs> is like one of the worst movies ever. And so the fact that he had just watched it and then was like, yeah, and I quoted it right before the game to hype up our team. That like that actually took a little like gravitas away from everything for me. because I was like, that movie sucks. So you're saying you've never gone on SNL and quoted the man in the iron mask to your fellow castmates before you've gone on to pump them up? Is that what you're trying to tell us? I've never done it. I bought my little brother a man in the iron mask t-shirt, like as a joke. <laughs> because it's so, but he's, my little brother's a big Leo fan. So Morgan, what did you make of, of Seinfeld's appearance, DiCaprio's appearance, any, any celebrity appearance in this thing? I, I was sort of indifferent about kind of about a lot of people actually like they're I don't know but um but I thought in a certain way it grounded it in the time period the way that music did and stuff I thought like that that it served a purpose but I didn't it wasn't like I you know I'm glad Seinfeld wasn't like interviewed for 10 minutes (laughs) (laughs) you know not that you know I like Seinfeld but like you know the the moment was enough I didn't need no no one's no one's knocking Seinfeld here To, to switch things up a little bit, sorry, I'm not sure if it got as dusty in your respective uh, areas where you were watching as it did for me when the Steve Kerr piece came about. I didn't even know. I didn't even know that. I, I was me aware. Either. I knew that his dad was assassinated, but were, were, were you guys? I mean, I know you weren't saying No. I knew, yes, but not in any sort of detailed form, like like the way it was presented. And like his mother, I found quite interesting and then wanted to see that documentary about that family. Absolutely. It was interesting to have like a basketball documentary. And then this like, you know, woman is talking about like sectarian militias. And like, I was, I was, it it felt a little bit like a different movie, but a good movie. Yeah. 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 It broke my heart. And it uh, also cemented this idea. David and I have been like batting around for the last few weeks which is that the greatness of this team, it really does come from so many different sources. Mm-hmm. And all of these people, Pippin, Rodman, Jordan, Kerr, they come from really different and interesting backgrounds. And mm-hmm. the content of their characters are really uh, varied, but they all had shit. They all had shit. And it's unbelievable like the algorithm that somehow allowed them to come together and play, like the mm-hmm. likelihood of that. I don't know. I, hearing the thing about Steve Kerr, I just I couldn't believe how someone at that age goes on mm-hmm. after that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And I felt that way about Rodman, hearing about how Rodman had a hard family life and he made it work and Pippin with his 
like dozen siblings and it's like holy shit the only one who had it vaguely easy was jordan <laughs> like his jordan's parents loved him he gave him unconditional love. i mean slightly conditional love i don't know i, I found <laughs> no, that, I, I, found that I, was, I was thinking about that a lot tonight just about how different these guys are and the somehow perfect fit of people from very disparate backgrounds like i just noting that a lot i don't have like a funny thing to say about it but i was with you you don't need a funny thing to say it's it the, the them being bound by their father's tragedy um i'm so glad they included that it felt it did feel like a different film it kind of felt like the film i wanted to see probably selfishly steve kerr this is a lighter subject but i was sitting um next to my partner during this and she every time he came on except for the parts that was tragic she was like yep would totally fuck Steve Kerr. Love oh, Steve yes. Kerr. Is he just like? Does every woman love him? Is that what it is? I mean, I don't. I don't know if Heidi does. I. I just find him to be attractive on like every level. There's just, I don't know. Like he's attractive in so many ways that he then becomes physically ideal as well. Like it's like there's. <laughs> He's incredible. Like he's actually funny. He's self-deprecating. He's intelligent. Like he's great at a sport. Like all, you know, he just, <laughs> yeah, he, he's great. So great. But I, I really don't like the warriors. And so that takes them out <laughs> for me completely. Bravo. With also being like, but yeah, he's one of the greatest coaches ever. And I completely respect him. I just hate his team. But, you know, I just hate him, but I totally like him. Like there's nothing <laughs> wrong with him except me. <laughs> That's always a good, there's nothing wrong with him. It's just, <laughs> it's just me. And not no, only that, just... he, he had like a nice solid set. At the championship rally too. Yeah. Like he yes. Really <laughs> the jokes were genuinely <laughs> good. good. Yeah. Like yeah he had like delivery. a like hundred thousand people in stitches. Like and yeah. also the confidence <laughs> to go up there and do that sort of casual. Like to, you know, it wasn't yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> the delivery was smooth. Like he's like a very chill overachiever. Like he feel yeah. it feels effortless when he's doing all this stuff. He had bad shorts on when he was doing it, like bad cargo <laughs> shorts. But he was confident and cool, and yeah. That's the truth of confidence. You have to be able to wear bad cargo shorts. Yeah. If I can and wear deliver. Bad, I know. I I can't wear the bad cargo shorts, and I can rarely deliver, so I don't know what the fuck we're going to do here. <laughs> Apparently, reprehensible Oakleys is also the key to uh, to confidence, because God, there is a lot those are of so bad Oakleys. Mm -hmm. Was so David, you were around back then. Um, that's <laughs> this fucking idiot. so. Tell me, why was that a thing? Can we go through the Oakleys? Why was that? Why in the moment those were bad idea? I mean, they that were. was like that's like the commercial like where like you know like you know to like express something is like extreme, and they would have like a whammy bar like wow, wow. <laughs> like that was what Oakleys were even at that time. And you're like, Oh, this guy's a douche, uh, rocking the, what, you know, I mean, that's like, like Vin Diesel's with, I mean, whatever Vin Diesel's like rocking those now. Like you want to go into that? You want to do a, a five minutes on diesel? I challenge Vin <laughs> Diesel. To, no, I, it's just, it is what it is. I'll leave it at that. Do you think by the way, at the end, Scotty gives Jerry his due? 
Jerry Krause. Like giving it when he gave him credit or yeah. like, do you think that was good or do I think? No, no, no. Hold on. Let me, let me, let me finish. Do you think, I'm not sure how much you uh, ladies have been listening to um, interviews with the director, Jason Hare. Probably spending all your time doing that, right? I imagine. Do you think that he, this was edited late into the process, right? They they push it and what have you. Do you think that he added that on, so to speak? Because we actually asked him in the, when we interviewed him, has there been any pushback with Jerry's family? And, you know, he's kind of the, not kind of, he's portrayed as the villain. To me, it almost, I wasn't sure if it was tacked on or not. What I don't know is like what, if there was anything set up, you know, to push him in that direction. Um, and if he said it organically, then I kind of liked that it was included, but I don't know. It seemed, I would have to like have been in the room when it was shot, you know? Right. David, are you accusing Scotty of like a William Hurt in broadcast news, adding the tear post? I mean, I, I just think he said it because it's factually correct. <laughs> Like, like, but I, his heart, no feelings. disagreements from here. No. Yeah. I mean, I agree, but like, it's one of these things where it's like, I, I, and I heard him in other interviews as well being asked about how Jerry was portrayed. And it was like, it was, it would just cross my mind. I'm not saying it would, I think that that was for sure or not, but no, I just, I just, I, David, I just wanted to show off a broadcast news reference. That's all. It was. I clearly, um, <laughs> no, I, I, Heidi, do you have an opinion on this? I feel like it was genuine. To me, it was like one of those things where when years have passed and you're out of the moment, you know, like I'm sure Scotty Pippen can look back and be like, oh shit, like, yeah, I guess he put together a good team. He sucked as a human some, a lot of the time. <laughs> I didn't like him, but I guess real quick yeah he was good and also it seemed like even though he was an asshole like they were definitely bullying him so maybe just it was like one thing of being like i'm gonna be nice to the little guy or something yeah it did give him credit once yeah i'm with you in that there were moments in previous episodes where i wanted to be like so what was he good at like i want like i (laughs) like it did feel like they were he was being portrayed in such a light but without the oh but after this he got this done like I did want to know a little bit about why uh, <laughs> this uh, constantly sweating gentleman was uh, was delivered. Unfortunately, you know, I I feel for his family because in all of this, we were just, I was thinking about like the woman uh, in the Indiana game who's like yelling, like she watched that tonight. Yeah, God willing that she's alive. <laughs> she watched that tonight. Oh. With her kids, and Amazing. she's like, "Yeah, I did that, but you shouldn't. You shouldn't. <laughs> you shouldn't. God damn it! Not that there'll be any crowds anytime soon. I really think this is like the most polite fucking film about a rude person that's ever been made. I, I think, on the whole, even the people who were critical of certain other people in the doc, they come around. They mm-hmm. do. They do come around. I do think. I don't know if that's just part of." Jason Hare and that's what he wanted as a director or that's what ESPN mandated or that's what Jordan who had kind of authorship over this thing said this is it can be it can be aggressive and rude and and real to a point I still contend you can't have a great Mm -hmm. film without I just don't think they can be involved I don't think the subject can have any say in it in my opinion but because Jordan said right like before it came out this is 
people aren't going to like me or some, some version of that. You remember that he was like, yeah. I just, I would imagine that he thought it was truthful and investigative. I just think the dude's good at marketing. You enlisted Spike Lee to do like, I just, he had the wherewithal to say like, Oh yeah, the guy to do the right thing. He'll do the ads. Like who, who would have, there's a thousand directors more qualified than Spike Lee. And he picked Spike Lee. Like he, he, there's a quote we have that we keep going back to from the wall street journal um, in 84 when he gets drafted. And he says to his reps, I want to be the best marketed player. Like imagine wow. at 22 knowing, you know what I want to do? I want to be marketed well. <laughs> like that's something <laughs> that kids now say on TikTok. Like they're aware of their marketing schemes. I couldn't, I mean, I'd never thought of that. I don't know about you guys. At but you are watching kids on TikTok? Yeah, exclusively. Okay. <laughs> Especially after this documentary. Right. I'm just saying, then he really does seem to, he just seemed to know his power. He seemed to, and he also seemed to know how to brand and market himself. So him being like, people are not going to like me. That's good press. That makes people be like, Oh, I got to watch. I think, I honestly think he's like, this has got to get the best ratings. I, I got to get the most ratings. But this is like the same thing that like Kobe did. All right. Like let's keep in mind, Kobe Bryant was like a pariah post Denver. Right. And then he, we're not going to say anything critical here of him. Right. I can't, I can't, I'm not ready for it. I mean, it is what it is. Like <laughs> okay, he, go ahead. he fashioned himself as this, like this Mamba mentality type thing. The, in which was very similar to what Jordan was doing. And, and ultimately it's the idea of like the brand being like, it provides a permission structure to be a dick in service of the results. Like the results speak for themselves. And because of these results, I was an asshole, but Hey, the, the results are in. And so it's like, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 when you make that the brand, then it kind of starts, I don't know. It, it, it provides like a, a release valve of some sort. Like it, it, it allows it to be okay in some way. I'm very indifferent about like Tom Brady, but I feel like there's something to be said about like people who are results oriented as opposed to like quality of life. Let's be light. Let's have fun. I mean that, I think that's an interesting thing that is, is sort of not so much discussed, but presented in the documentary is like, you see what it takes to be that successful and then question, would I want that life? Would I want to be Michael right. Jordan or would I rather, you know, be somewhere between Michael Jordan and like uh, somebody terrible who has fun. And this is why Heidi get Heidi and I get it. And this is why we prefer LeBron James who <laughs> doesn't have to be a total sociopath in order to be the goat. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> See, that's what I thought. Yeah. That's what I, so much time away from MJ, you know, who I grew up and he was everything, but then so much time away from him, what I got worried about with really not knowing anything about him was like, oh, these things that I hear that he's such an asshole or, or just like dark stuff. I was like, yeah, uh, I, I don't want to know that stuff, all that. And for me, even though I'm sure it was like very well curated, this documentary, um, from his perspective, this just allowed me to like understand him more. And then I was like, Oh, I like what an asshole he is. Ooh, I like how unfiltered. I like that. He just said he hated Isaiah. Like, um, so it, it had the opposite effect uh -oh. where now, 
now <laughs> LeBron was like pulling ahead and I'm like, no, now they're exactly at the same spot. I love them equally. <laughs> um, this call is over. <laughs> also, I think there's like a kind of respect that you go like, oh my God, like beer, cigar, pizza, like every part of this is like, all right, okay. Yeah. yeah. Those are like obstacles. There was I, a lot of Miller Miller Light in this documentary. A lot of I, yeah, beer, beer. Like I can't even I can't picture a lot of athletes touching a beer. In the well, I mean, not only to that, like in the what was it, episode eight or nine, like he's like on the court, like in warm-ups, he's like, Hey, what are you what were you up to today, Mike? He's like, Yeah, I woke up, had a couple of beers and started playing piano in my room. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> You you yeah. woke up and had two beers like fucking insane. Because there was there was a couple of years ago. Because of course I follow LeBron on Instagram. He posted an Insta story. It was there was a game that night, but it was his lunch, and he was like, uh, "Cheat day or something." But it was on a game day, and it was like, you know, it was still like tilapia, but the side was like potato wedges, and he was having <laughs> um, a glass of wine. And I remember oh. seeing the potato wedges and I was like, awesome. LeBron eats like me, you know, I thought it was cool. and then he was sick that night. So I think, I think players today can't eat like Jordan. They have one potato wedge and they're like, my stomach hurts. I have to be lean and mean and broccoli. So. And Heidi never ate potato wedges again. <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> I, okay. There's two things. One, um, there's a chance that Jordan totally fibbed his drinking to the press to leak that so that it would be out there and that opposing players would think, oh, he's had a couple of drinks. Maybe he's going to like I, to- I could see him manufacturing that second thing on the LeBron, David, um, you're saying LeBron doesn't have to be a sociopath. He's a sociopath. I actually think he's a better sociopath. I just think he's a worse basketball player, but he has figured out how to engineer kindness in a way that I want to believe and I'm sure is true. And I appreciate all the good things he's done, but I really, his life honestly seems so perfect that it, it scares me. It, it It's like if you got a snippet into the Truman show and you didn't know someone was filming. So I really, he, it freaks me out. He really does um, scare me. So I think he is a sociopath. I want to stop using that term. He's something else. He's something else. Anyone else have want to dissuade me of that? I think there is a degree to which like a younger generation than Jordan sees how and why things go away for people. And to me, like LeBron to me feels like a guy who knew early, like settle down, have your core unit around you, like all these things because you could learn from, you know, every mistake everyone's ever made in the media. So like calculated possibly, but I wouldn't go as far uh, as saying like even closest, like being a sociopath, just, I just think, I don't know. It, 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 like, you know, the 30 for 30 about like everybody losing all their money and, you know, right. and then they started like teaching classes about that. Like to me, like, I just think there are certain people who think I'm, there is too much to lose here. And I know exactly how people lose this. So I am going to be this person and enjoy it. And I think it's easier to enjoy it when you remember the alternative is like playing with fire. Right. 
Well said. God, that is so much, so much a more uh, reasonable response than what I offered. So I'm, we're, we're going to go with that. Um, uh, I, I, before we leave, uh, the two of you, um, I have some larger Jordan questions. Um, but first, how how are you two going to make do without sports for the foreseeable future? It looked like there were some good 30 for 30s coming up. (laughs) (laughs) And that's only the hope I have right now. Which we'll use this time to promote. Sam and I will be doing after shows about each and every one of those. You'll even be though we doing know them nothing alone. about those. Subjects. I'll tell you that right now. I will be not I will not be showing up for those. I, I saw <laughs> I did see Heidi, I did see that. They uh and we they emailed us um a press release about the three documentaries coming up and I was like, Wow. Those filmmakers <laughs> and editors must be pissed. They had to fast <laughs> those movies were not done. Like we got um we got the first eight episodes, as David said, and the last four, I was like, they are not sound mixed. They are not colored. I was like, how the fuck they're like totally doing. And those, those things take a lot of fucking time. Um, yes, they fast tracked the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire documentary, which I'll probably watch that one, but the, yeah. the I'm done with Lance Armstrong. I'm, yeah. I'm absolutely, I'm done with, I'm done with Lance. I'm out. I'm interested. I want to hear what he says. I am too. I am too. Have you seen the, the Armstrong lie? Alex Gibney's The Armstrong Lie? No. It, watch it. It's fantastic. And it's like even, okay. it's not just the, I mean, it is the whole Lance Armstrong story. But then Alex Gibney himself becomes a part of, it's it's bananas. It's It's surreal. And I highly, highly recommend it. But to be honest with you, after that, it doesn't really seem like there needs to be another Lance Armstrong documentary. That's the only reason I, I'm fascinated by the subject, but after that, it doesn't seem to be a reason to have it. Uh, Morgan? Yeah. Sports? Yes. Um, I mean, I'm, I will, it is interesting, like, what will, you know, sort of satiate me, because uh, I'm watching Korean baseball. I'm watching, I mean, UFC, spectator list UFC. Like, I I don't know why or when it ha- like, happened, but, like, I need a live competition of some kind. I'm like the Michael Jordan of watching competition. <laughs> like, I need it so bad, and it could be anything. Like, it, I would have watched, you know, who, who, who was, uh, they said they were in the front of the plane playing like dollar blackjack or something, a dollar. Yeah. I, I love it. So I'm, I'm all in on, uh, on, uh, you know, Korean baseball. I'm, I'm, I feel conflicted about UFC and I don't know why, but maybe it just, I feel conflicted about any, I feel conflicted about getting like a postmate, like anyone putting themselves into, you know, an open sort of uh, uh, risk of any of this, you know, awful virus and stuff. But like, I, I love it. Like, I love it. So I'm just, I'm taking what is offered. Well, then, I mean, people need to know who do you have winning the South Korean baseball championship? I was, I was, I had switched it around Mm -hmm. because at first I was the, uh, is it uh, Kia? Um, uh, 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 not dragon. Wait, who am I thinking of? Um, they're like the Yankee, like I had to read, I read Mina Kimes sort of breakdown, like, <laughs> and like, 
because I I don't know anything about anybody, and I picked a team. We saw him looks tough this year. Then I realized that they were bad, so I switched to get like I'm just hmm. very I'm very fluid about it. Right. I want whoever wins, that's who I want to win. Like, and I'm allowing myself a little bit of ignorance, a lot of ignorance, um, and just enjoy. I love the the feel. I love the field, and I love the sounds, and I I'm just it's oh, all. Man. It's what? No, I, lo- I love, no, no. The, my own man, my own man was not disapproving. It was totally endearing and loving. I, I think that's great. Um, I like that you have like uh, spreadsheets thrown across your room, looking at which team is better that you've really torn. You're torn over who to choose. Right. Well, I, lo- I would love, I just picked one and I was wrong. So I, <laughs> so I changed. <laughs> like, I don't have any, any like conflicts, but there is, it is interesting how it's sort of being presented through social media, even because the articles that are written are like, here's why you'd like that. Like it, it's presented to people who are coming in with no information who, who like social media essentially. So it's like, here's the fun fact about this team. Here's the guy you're going to like, here's the guy you're not going to like, guess who's old. Like it's like the kind of stuff that you would comment on anyway. If the NBA season does come back, uh, and they play whatever the abbreviated version is. Who do you two have in the finals, and who do you guys have to win? Like emotionally, like who does my heart have, or who go with does... the heart spiritually? Well, like, I, I, honestly, at this point, oh. what the hell else do we have? I mean, I'm a, like a, a just because of two places I grew up. I'm like a Clippers Blazers. Like a, I, my heart is torn in half, and it's I I I should have been forced to pick one as a child, but I. Um, <laughs> Clippers to me feel like, uh, you know, feel like the best chance somebody in my heart has to win. So I like that. Sure. How do you just, do you just want to say LeBron or, or what is your, yeah, feeling? but not just for LeBron reasons. I want the Lakers. I want it because of Kobe. I want, I also think that this would have been the last year that LeBron could do it. So I need him to get one more this mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. That's really makes me sad. And I don't even like LeBron. That makes me sad. Um, <laughs> David, go ahead. Uh, as I've, as I've said throughout, I think that the Clippers entered the season as the most deep stack team. And I think that they would have, they would have pulled it off. I think that they're just, the NBA finals always comes down to like, who can, you know, it's a chess game of matchups and you do this. Okay. Well then I counter with this and what have you. The Clippers had the answer to everything, whichever way you wanted to play. And I think that that for that reason, they checked off all the boxes. Period. Well, I thought it was going to be the Orlando match. Good. No, I mean I don't want to keep copying. I actually think the Lakers were going to take it. Um, or it was going to be Lakers Bucks, and it was a toss up to me. Um, uh, I know it's the like who cares about complaining about sports in all this, but holy shit, it has um, really done a number on me. I really. Did not know how reliant I was on uh, sports to provide some sense of normalcy. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, yep. yeah, I mean, all of us, I think, are doing something uh, 
artistic and it's like that's why I love sports because it feels removed and yet adjacent and I can wrap my head around it in a way that's like the game begins, the game ends, there is a winner, there is a loser. Instead of writing a movie and you're like, God, this is never good. It just doesn't matter when it happens. Um, so I'm, I really miss I'm not alone. I know many people miss it. Well, it's like therapy. It's like free therapy. Like totally. if you like it, which is why I, I never begrudge people for not liking sports. I feel bad for them. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you don't have this ability to turn on your TV and feel yes. complete and amazing, and or to look at your phone at work when you're going like, oh, if I get off at this time, I can see this thing that's going to make me happy. Like, yeah. They don't get to know that. Free therapy. That's totally yeah. right. Ex- except for the fantasy basketball of it all, which just is not even yeah. the, the small I imagine it's of- the same thing that when people who ask me if I watch Real Housewives and I just give them a blank stare and and they're and, and it's it's the same thing where they're like, wait, what? And I'm like, I don't it doesn't it just doesn't it just doesn't do anything for me. And it is, it's, I think it's the same thing. It's escapism on some level. Mm hmm. Yeah. Last thing before we go to the both of you at this point in this unusual, weird, precarious moment, what does Michael Jordan mean to the both of you? Mm. Hmm. This is the first bit of reflection we seem to have had on this podcast. I know. Yeah. There's no wrong answer. Um, (laughs) Cheesecake. That oh, was the one wrong, the answer. wrong answer. And that does it. And that's great, guys. And we'll see you next week on the last week after show. <laughs> see you on the Bruce Lee pod. I was trying, I could I was trying to think of a wrong answer. Um I don't know. As a kid who grew up playing basketball, kind of like you know, mildly obsessed with basketball. The weird thing is like Michael Jordan means a lot to me, but so did almost everybody in that in you know the 10-part series. Like so I'm pro I'm actually like, I didn't grow up like I love Michael Jordan. I mm-hmm. grew up with kind of weird, weirder interests, like specifically like like when I, I see Reggie Miller, I think of his sister. And I, I don't know. This is like a bad answer because he wasn't like my favorite person ever. And I my heart loved teams that played against him and that lo- like, obviously that lost him trailblazers. Mm-hmm one of the greatest things he's ever done ever is make basketball so much better. And then everyone who came after him so much better and so much bigger. And I would say after now thinking out loud for two and a half minutes that his influence on basketball was probably the most important thing to me. If I were to like add up all the pieces, as opposed to like, he's my favorite player that I wanted to be like, right. I don't know. Yeah. I thought that was good. I did. I thought that was I thought that was genuine. I thought that was not a canned answer. I think you're like many people. I mean, I <laughs> David, the drinking game continues. I grew up in Chicago. Um drink. And <laughs> I, <laughs> he harasses me with this. Um and I harass him because he's a Cleveland Cavaliers fan. I think to many people watching this, they're like, This is the guy who ruined my childhood as he beat every team. Yeah. I mean, everyone in this documentary, it is truly like a gambler, a jilted gambler, upset that they didn't get, they didn't win their bet. Everyone's like, if the ball just went a different way, Reggie Miller, the game was over after we lost the tip. Really? It was over? Like a tip? You That's, your whole livelihood comes down to that. And I, I think for many people, they don't, 
love Jordan. They just, he represents a time in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, he was kind of, I imagine for many people, like a villain. If you weren't a Bulls fan. If I'm going to be totally honest, I think I'd be as excited to meet Chris Mullen. Like I, <laughs> I, like I just, there are certain players to me that stick out uh, where I just go, Oh my God, I so remember this person. And like Michael Jordan's like, He's almost, he's too big. He's so much bigger than just an individual. And like, so yeah, like. We have to use this moment to let you know that in our episode number four, I believe it was, of our podcast, we interviewed Adam McKay and he let us know that Chris Mullen and Colin Quinn were super homies, like back in the day. And not even back in the day, currently, which I just found found to be the most lovely pairing if I could sit All down. right. I know my end now. This is going to be very exciting. There you go. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm going to call in a call-in favor. There you and, go. Uh, God, thank God we got a pun in there. Um, you guys. Tell, tell them Adam <laughs> McKay sent you. Heidi, uh, closing thoughts for you? Um, I think what Michael Jordan means to me is... While being someone who's still very conflicted with who their favorite player ever is, I think this re- <laughs> reminded me that he he really was like in basketball and in life during that time felt like a real life superhero. Like mm-hmm. if you were a kid or an adult, it just seemed godly and and watching it now when I've tried to make all these comparisons that like yes LeBron's the goat or that I I just am like no one's game looks like Jordan's like I just don't think they'll I'll just never see it again so what he means to me is just like savor it uh I think I was a little too young to savor it so now I'm just like savoring him as a player and a person again and just being like you're you're i'm bowing down to him not even patrick mahomes <laughs> i mean he's still got he's got a goat like career coming and and i'm i'm loving it <laughs> uh i hope that career even happens for him not to get too bleak but um jordan truly uh, an anomaly and um my god Heidi Gardner, Morgan Murphy. Thank you both. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. All right. So long. Have a good one. Well, there you have it. Uh, A fantastic conversation with two incredibly funny women, uh, Heidi Gardner and Morgan Murphy. Um, Keep listening because on Thursday, we will be having a fantastic episode with not only a player, not only a starter, but a champion as both a player and a coach of the Chicago Bulls. That's right, Mr. Bill Cartwright. Very excited. Childhood self, very excited. 25-year-old self, equally excited. In case it was not clear over the last eight episodes, we are doing our damnedest to raise attention and money for the people at Feeding America. They're the nation's largest hunger relief organization. And through a network of 200 food banks and 60,000 food pantries and meal programs, 
They provide meals to more than 40 million people each year. Back in March, Feeding America launched the COVID-19 Response Fund, a national food and fundraising effort to support people facing hunger and the food banks who help them. If you'd like to learn more about them and how you can help, you can visit their site at www.feedingamerica.org. And guys, you can find all of our podcasts, uh, including this one and our next one, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcasts, Spotify, whatever else of MSM. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, it's on all kinds of shit. Wherever you do your listening, we're probably there. Except SoundCloud. We're not on SoundCloud. Oh, snap! I'm out on SoundCloud. I'm throwing some SoundCloud shade. I'm out. I actually have a wonderful uh, likes playlist on SoundCloud that if you'd like to check out, I'm sure you'll be wonderfully surprised. You did the plug. Give him the username. Give him the link. Uh, I believe it's just David Villar. Okay. My name, all one word. A lot of Kenny Lattimore on there? I'm going to say like early baby face. Like I'm talking like the deal baby face. Maybe some Teddy Riley. Hopefully, hopefully no Pearl Jam. That's uh, just disrespectful. Pearl Jam's first three albums are classics, so show some respect. Okay. If you want to uh, send along your hate mail uh, about Pearl Jam, you can do so uh, to David at David's email, which is... <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> it's a really good email address. Um, David, this is really fun. Uh, and everyone listening, thank you very much. I hope you're safe and sound wherever you are. We'll see you back here on Thursday. Maintain sanity. Wash your hands thoroughly. Peace. So long.